today we are in week three, as you can see, week three of our series titled Collide. This series is designed to help us understand that the values of the world around us, those values are moving further and further away from the values we find in the Word of God. And because of that, there is an inevitable collision that will take place. So what do we do? Not to sound all our doom and gloom. So what do we do? Do we run and hide? Do we wall ourselves off in some cultish type commune? Do we develop an attitude of self-righteousness and say, well, we're better than that and we're just going to separate ourselves and look down our noses on all those people? Or do we continue to read and study and follow the Word of God? I want to do a brief review of the last couple of weeks. In week one, we laid the foundation for standing firm on the Word of God, the only real truth that we can find in this world. Then in week two, last week, we talked about what God desires most in our lives. Once we initially learn to stand firm in our faith and what God desires from us in spite of the conflicting values in the world around us that we constantly collide with. And I will tell you, it seems like every time I read a news story, and after the last one I thought, can it get any worse? I read another one, and yes, it can. And the values of this world are just going further and further and further against what is we as Christians find in the Word of God. But rather than conforming to or copying the behavior and the customs of this world, once we are saved, God desires for us to be renewed and transformed, even to the point, and I used this word last week, even to the point of being unrecognizable when compared to the person we were before we came to Christ. Today, we're going to take it one step further, because after God begins to transform us, especially within our minds, we have to pursue the source of truth. Not so we can brag that we have the truth, but instead so that we can ultimately live it out and be a light, a reflection of Jesus in an otherwise dark world. The Word, the truth of God, is powerful and it is effective. Dr. William Miller tells a story about a shoemaker in Moshed, a very religious city in northeastern Iran. It seems that this shoemaker purchased some cheese for his lunch and discovered that it was wrapped in the page, a page of the New Testament, that the shopkeeper was using as wrapping paper. After eating his lunch, he picked up the piece of paper and he read a story from the New Testament about a man who hired laborers for the vineyard. And at the end of the day, he paid all of the laborers the same wage, whether they had worked 12 hours or whether they had worked one. The shoemaker liked that story. So the next day, he went back to the same grocery store and bought cheese again, and he asked the shopkeeper to wrap it in another page of that book. Finally, on the third day, he decided to go ahead and buy what remained of the shopkeeper's New Testament, and he took it and showed it to his brother. The two of them went to a missionary who gave them a complete copy and also gave them regular instruction in the Word of God. Pretty cool, right? It gets better. Both men were later baptized and were among the first believers in that entire city. 
And here's what I want to take, us, take away from this true story. Even when the words of Scripture are torn page by page and used as trash, it still has the power to redeem. Amen. The Word of God is powerful. Look what the Apostle Paul wrote in Hebrews 4.12. He said, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Another translation said it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That doesn't mean we're supposed to pick this up and use it as a sword to destroy people. But rather, if we allow it to, it will speak to our hearts. It will help us discern what we should allow into our hearts and into our lives and what we should get rid of. Look at something else the Apostle Paul wrote. This is found in Romans 7.15. He said, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. A lot of words. I realize Paul is talking specifically about sin in this verse, but allow me some latitude this morning, okay? As I wonder out loud, how many of us take this same principle and apply it to our time spent in the Word of God or our lack thereof? We have almost unlimited resources with which to study the Word of God, but we really don't use them. We hear it time and time again that we need to read and study, understand the Word, but often we don't do it. The bottom line is, much like the Apostle Paul, we know what we should do. We just don't do it. And I am praying and believing that today is the day that God is going to give you a greater hunger for his word. Let's go to the Old Testament in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. In this short verse... The writer of Proverbs tells us something about truth that is incredibly important. Here's what he wrote. He said, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Someone once said, salvation is gloriously free, but the truth costs. Even when we see and believe that the truth comes from the word of God, the question should be, once we have it, how do we keep it? The first step is what the writer of Proverbs makes clear in this verse, and that is don't sell it. Now, the writer of Proverbs is not talking about standing on the side of the road or going door to door attempting to sell a physical Bible to somebody. That's not what he's talking about. Instead, he is talking about an internal struggle that many Christians experience Because while it is one thing to read, study, or receive the Word of God, it is another thing entirely to actually keep it as a priority in your life. One of the hardest things for me as a pastor is to meet with someone, someone who has once had a close relationship with God, and in the course of that conversation, have them tell me they really aren't sure that they even believe what the Bible says anymore is true. They aren't sure that what they've been taught and believed as truth from the Word of God for years is even true. So as a result, 
they not only doubt their own salvation, but doubt that there even is such a thing as salvation as spelled out in the Word of God. You might ask, well, Pastor, how does that happen? There's a lot of ways it happens. But probably the most common issue is they fail to see value in it. And as a result, the Word of God becomes nothing more than just another book. A book of no more value than a good novel. And once you don't see value in something, you will not only be willing to sell it, you'll be willing to sell it cheap. Another way it happens is when we simply don't believe what it says in its entirety. Please stay with me here. This is what I mean. We read the Bible, and then we start to doubt the miraculous. And we say things like, well, anyone who believes God created the world in seven days is an idiot. It's ridiculous to think that Jonah lived in the belly of a big fish for three days. If you believe that the walls of Jericho fell down just because people walked around it in obedience to God, then obviously I'm a whole lot smarter than you are. And the list goes on and on. How do I know those things are said by people? Because those and many others have been said to me. Let me say this about that. Do I believe God created the world in seven days? Do I believe Jonah was in the belly of a big fish for three days? Do I believe the walls of Jericho fell just like the Bible says? Let me state this as clearly as I can. Yes. Let me state this. Here's what else I know. I know that God is God. I know that he is sovereign. He can do anything he wants to do when and how he wants to do it. And my belief or disbelief will not change who he is. I realize I have a lot of gray hair, but I was not there at creation, so I didn't see it. I wasn't there with Jonah, so I didn't see that. I wasn't at Jericho, so I didn't see that either. But here's something else I know. I know that God can take a person who comes to him in repentance, forgive their sins, change their life, break down the walls of sin that have held them captive for so long, transform them, make them into a brand new person, set them on the path of righteousness. To a point where they want to share what God has done in their life and as a result see what happened to them happen to others. And he can do it not in three days, not in seven days, but he can do it in an instant. And let me add this. I don't say this because someone told me about it. I say it because I've seen it. I say it because I've lived it. I say it. Because that person was me. When we start doubting the stories like that of creation, Jonah, Jericho, the next thing that often happens is doubting who Jesus is. Was there really a Jesus? Was he really God in the flesh? Did he really die? Why did he have to die? If he died, did he really rise from the dead? 
After all, if we can't believe that God was able to allow Jonah to live in a fish for three days, how could we possibly believe that Jesus died, was placed in a grave, and rose on the third day? Well, Pastor, I think you're wrong. You are not the first person to think that. Probably won't be the last. <laughs> Amen. Proverbs 23, 23 says to buy the truth and don't sell it. But if we read the Bible and our takeaway is believing some of it and doubting the parts that we can't explain or doubting the parts that we just don't want to accept, then we are not doubting. We are not buying it. We are at best just renting it. And we'll say that again. If we read the Bible and our takeaway is believing some of it and doubting the parts that we can't explain, doubting the parts we cannot accept, then we are not buying it, as Proverbs said. We are at best just renting parts of it. So I will ask you today, are you buying the truth? Or are you renting it? Well, we might read it, but not for what it can do in our lives. Instead, we read it because we feel obligated, because the pastor stood up here time and time again and said, read your Bible. We read it because it does have some good stuff in it. It's got some good stuff. There's some, some cool stories. We read it because we want to expand our horizons and be open to all ideas. Or we read it because we want to check off one more box in our list of things that we think will get us to heaven. And if any of those reasons describe us today, then we have not bought it. And as a result, we will have no problem with selling it, walking away from it, or abandoning it. If at one time we believed what the Word of God said, but now we say, eh, that stuff can't be true. Or the Bible is just a crutch for weak-minded people. I'm way too smart to believe that stuff. Oh, I've heard that one. If we look at it that way, then we have lost sight of its value. And as a result, we have already sold it. And we sold it cheap. Unfortunately, this happens to people all the time. As we mentioned in week one of this series, the things of the world can be seductive. These things attempt to draw us and convince us of their truth rather than the truth that's found in the Word of God, the Bible. If we feed our mind with the things of the world more than we feed it with the things of God, we should not be surprised what grows and what type of fruit we bear. Again, I'm not saying we cut ourselves off from society. Instead, I'm saying we need to get the truth that is found in the Word of God and hold on to it. We need to buy the truth, see its value, and then not sell it out for something that is at best temporary. We read in John 18, 38, that when Jesus was on trial, he stood before Pilate, and Pilate asked the question. He said, what is truth? And we should note here that Pilate wasn't really seeking truth 
And as a result, he wasn't asking Jesus to tell him what truth was or reveal truth to him. Instead, Pilate was saying, eh, truth? What's truth? You have your truth, I have mine, everybody has their own truth. Eh, it's truth. What's truth? It seems that we are kind of in the same shape in America today, or at least headed in that direction at a very fast pace. More than ever before, truth seems to be in a very short supply. In fact, we are living in a day when almost no one believes in absolute truth. A survey a few years ago showed that 67% of the adults in America believe that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Far worse than that is the fact that 52% of born-again Christians think truth is relative. What does that mean? It means they believe, keep in mind these are Christians, they believe what is truth for one person may not be true for another person. According to another survey, over 75% of professing Christians refuse to accept the idea of absolute truth. And what that means is if I stand here and say the Bible is absolute truth, 75% of the people that hear that would say, I don't believe you. In other words, you make your own truth based on what you want it to be. I can assure you, while that mindset will lead to disaster in a society as a whole, it also goes against everything that the Word of God teaches. When we lose the sight that the Word of God is absolutely true, and that the truths found in, in it are not up for debate. They are not up for, well, that's, that's for you. That doesn't really apply to me. Either it does or it doesn't. The Word of God gives us all the truth we need to live a full life in Christ. We should keep these truths and consider them wisdom, instruction, and insight for our lives. No matter what we do, we cannot lose truth. There are a lot of influences in the world, world that would like for us to believe that they point to truth. But the Word of God is the only place that we can find real truth. With that in mind, could we ask ourselves a couple questions? What are my current thoughts around the Bible? Do I believe it's true? And then ask, are my thoughts towards the Word of God prohibiting me from spending enough time in it? You see, if you don't believe what you're reading is true... You're not going to read it very much. We need to remember that the goal of reading the Bible is not simply to read it, but to ultimately do it. James 1, through 25 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed 
in what they do. We need to feel the truth as much as we read the truth so that we can live the truth. Maybe some of us are in that place right now. We feel an internal war going on within us. We feel that we are being pulled in two different directions and the direction of the world is gaining an advantage. Because we will know, we know it will offer a satisfaction that we can see and feel, even though we know that it's temporary at best. Sometimes we just want to put our hands on something, even if we know it's going to fade away. In John 4, verses 7 through 15, we read that Jesus had a conversation with a woman about this same struggle in her life. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Hold on to that. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. So I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. You see, in this story, Jesus offered this woman the true source of life, one that would satisfy her completely. If you read the verses that follow what we just read in the passage we read in John, you would see that before this interaction with Jesus, this woman was right in the middle of being pulled in several different worldly directions, all the while searching for something that would satisfy. And then it came walking into her life. The truth incarnate, the truth in flesh, Jesus Christ collided with her sin and she was set free. The Bible tells us in John 1.1 1, 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you drop down to verse 14 of that same chapter, we read that the Word was made flesh and made His dwelling among us. That means that Jesus is the Word of God in flesh. That means if we know Jesus, then you know the truth. If you know Jesus, you know the truth. And how do we learn more about the truth? We spend time in the Word of God. D.L. Moody said this. He said, when I pray, I talk to God. But when I read the Bible, God talks to me. Pastor friend of mine, Keith Vaughn, said something along the lines of, don't complain that God never speaks to you if you never pick up your Bible. Once we have the truth that is only found in the Word of God, 
Once we have that in our heart, and when we learn not to lose it, throw it away, sell it cheap, then I believe the proper response that God desires from us next is that we give it away freely. And that brings us to our next point. Once we have the truth, once we have made a decision to hold on to it and believe it, then we must go share it. Throughout the Bible, it is made clear that the word was never meant to just dwell in us. Go to Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This passage is called often called the Great Commission, although many Christians tend to follow it as if it were the Great Suggestion. In this passage, Jesus commands his disciples to go and spread the word of God, the gospel message about him to all of the world. Go and tell somebody what you know. That hasn't changed. That same commission is given to us when we come to Christ, when we begin to read and study the word, when we begin to put it into practice, then we too are called to go and share it. And amazingly, this is amazing, sharing the word with others will strengthen our own faith as well. Over the years, I've had many opportunities to share the word of God and the gospel with folks. I've had many opportunities to share my own journey that brought me to where I am today, events that led me from attending church, working in and around church in various capacities, to a place where I finally said yes to the Lord, yes to what the Word of God says, and I completely dedicated my life to the Lord, and now I'm serving as a pastor here at High Point Church. It was a long journey. Thank you. I've also had many opportunities to share the promises in the Word of God, not just through Scripture, but also telling how God has blessed me and provided for me even in those times when I didn't see how things could work out. And I don't say these things to boast. Instead, I say it to testify that even though I was saying these things to encourage someone else, I will tell you that every single time that I have done that, my own faith was strengthened as I spoke my words. Share what you have. It will strengthen you. Maybe you needed to hear your story again. And this isn't just for me or people in the ministry who are called to do this. No, God is calling you to do the same thing. We are all called to give it away, to share the gospel freely, share our own stories of what God has done in our lives, and what a joy it is to share with others what God has done. If you are saved then you have a story to tell. Share your story. Tell your story. Chances are if you have invited Jesus to do something this week in your life, he has shown up. Would you share that with someone next week? And just say, let me tell you what God has done for me. Proverbs 23 told us to buy the truth. Do not sell it. Once you have personally experienced 
the saving message of the gospel. Once you have realized the truth in the word of God, once you have realized the truth in what God has done in your life, once you have realized the truth that what he has done for you, he will do for someone else. Once you've experienced all those things and realized those things, then treasure it. Not in a way that we would lock it away and keep it for ourselves, but treasure it in a way that because you realize its value, you just feel like I have to share it because you want everyone else to experience what you've experienced. Get truth. Spare no cost. Spare no pains to acquire it. But never surrender it in exchange for anything in this world. Today, maybe you were in a place where you were tempted to sell out what you know to be true. A place where you are tempted to sell out what you have personally experienced. You are at a place where you are tempted to follow the direction of and conform to worldly temptations rather than the eternal truth found in the Word of God. You feel like you have an internal wrestling match going on. The kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, you feel like they're colliding inside you. And you feel like you need to make a choice. I will tell you, you need to make a choice. Today can be the day for you to submit fully to God's word. It is the only source of true, abundant life. It is the only thing that can fully satisfy you. Will you allow it to do its work in you? Would you pray that God would soften your heart to his gospel? Once you receive the word, the truth, as we've talked about today, then pray for opportunities to share it. This is as simple as knowing what it says, living it out, sharing your story of redemption with those around you. Will you pray for an open door to share this week with someone close to you? There is so much joy that comes with sharing the gospel with someone else. There's a scripture that we tend to quote around Christmas time. It's found in Acts 20:35. Jesus said, "It's more blessed to give than receive." You know, you've quoted it. But I will tell you that goes for a lot more than Christmas presents. It goes for truth as well. When you share the truth, it will strengthen your faith. Each of us have been called to believe, to receive, and to give. If you will prepare and follow as God leads you, if you'll do that, 
then get ready for the open doors that are coming your way this week. If you're prepared, God will open the doors. Get truth. See its value. Hold fast to it. Stand firm on it. Don't trade it for the things of this world. Hold on to it. And then share it with someone this week. Would you bow your heads today? Lord, today we are grateful that you have met with us in this place. That the God of all creation would meet with us because truly we have come to worship you. Lord, I thank you for your spirit in this place. I thank you for your word that we have heard today. Lord, I ask that if we are discouraged, that you would encourage us. Lord, if we find ourselves at a place where we are starting to doubt the validity of the Word of God and the truth found in the Word of God. Lord, I ask that you would just strengthen us, increase our faith, help us to believe, forgive us of our unbelief, give us a greater desire to read your word, to study your word, to hear your word more than ever before, knowing that if we will receive this truth into our lives and if we will allow it to change us and to transform us, that you will change us from what we were and what we are and then you will open doors for us to share that with someone else. Lord, today we're asking these things. We are asking these things. And we will give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? We're going to sing in just a moment. But if you're here today, and you have looked at your life, you have heard this sermon today, and you've realized, you know what, I could, I could be closer than where I am. I'm not saying you're backslidden, not saying that you're not saved, but no matter where you are, we can all get closer. If that's you today, would you come and ask the Lord?